1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that last part, beginning in verse 13. Last week we talked a lot about Paul talking about making sure that we were sexually pure. And then this, that leads into his discussion about what happens to those who die before the rapture. So that's where we're at right now. We're at verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. They were so much expecting the Lord to return that they didn't even expect anybody was going to die before he came back. So that's the kind of the context here. But some had, right? Uh, and we even talked about that when Paul began to allude to the day of the Lord, uh, he talked about how that you know, when we, which are alive, he was including himself, that he was still going to be alive. So there was such an expectation uh, that the Lord was coming back that uh, you could see that. And I think sometimes we've lost that expectation and we need to have it. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Paul saying, I, I don't I want you to be informed. Rather than be ignorant, I want you to be informed about what happens to those who have passed away. And he uses this term fallen asleep. Uh, it's just a nice way of saying that they have passed away, right? That they have died. And so we see that here uh, in just the few weeks that Paul has had with the Thessalonian church. He had already emphasized the return of Jesus so much that now they're saying, well, what happens with those who have already died? Do they get to participate? Are they going to miss out on it? Do they just stay in heaven? What, you know, what happens with all of those? And so uh, we see that, and that was a question of the early church. They were concerned. They didn't want those who had uh, gone on to miss out on this great event. And can I tell you, when the Lord returns, it's going to be a great event. It'll be a great event for us who go, for sure. And it'll be uh, an amazing event. And uh, we'll go up in victory. We'll go up blessed. And uh, so I'm excited about that. So he doesn't want them to be ignorant. It's kind of interesting that that's the reason why Paul writes a whole lot of his writing. He's to inform people. As a matter of fact, and I'll just look at these quickly. Romans eleven twenty five. he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about God's plan for Israel. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about suffering and trials in the Christian life. And then here... He's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about the rapture and the second coming of Jesus. I mean, those are, those are two separate events, right? Uh, and if you don't, we'll talk about that. But the rapture and the second coming are two separate events. Those are still areas that people have a lot of questions about. We haven't gone up in the rapture yet, right? So we're teaching about something that's still to come. This is one of the Few things in the Bible that has not come to pass yet. Are we looking forward to it? Are we in anticipation 
for the Lord coming. I think you need to be. Uh, so he's calling these who have died asleep. Mortal bodies are resting. But how many knows that Paul also says that to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So when we die, something happens with our spirit, soul man, and it goes to be with the Lord. I can't I say something because I don't know exactly how that happens. Uh, you do hear sometimes stories about people who have died but come back and they give us some kind of clues as to you know what, how things may look. Uh, but he, he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about that. Their mortal bodies are in the grave. How many knows that our bodies decay? They go to dust. Uh, we say sometimes in funerals, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, right? Uh, and that's really the Lord created man at the very beginning. He created him out of the clay or the dirt, right? And the only thing that made him different was that he breathed something into him. What did he breathe into him? His life, right? His breath or his spirit, which gave man life, and now he's a living soul. Now, this second part of this verse says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. What does he mean by that? Notice he doesn't say you shouldn't sorrow at all. It's not what he says. Right. You know, our hope is in eternal life. There's more than just here, right? It doesn't say don't sorrow. It says don't sorrow as those who have no hope. I may have heard this in a funeral before. If you've ever heard me preach a funeral, you probably heard me say that, right? Uh, because... If they are a Christian and they have passed on, then we're going to miss them and we're not sorrowing for them because they have ceased to exist because they haven't. But we're sorrowing for ourselves because we will miss them. But yet, mixed in that sorrow is hope. And what is that hope founded upon? Jesus, right? He's our hope. He's the one uh, who gave us the example, the Bible tells us that we can have hope because when we look at his example, that he died, but yet he was resurrected. There's this resurrection uh, that gives us the hope. Who really, what really makes us up doesn't stay here in the ground, right? That's just our tent, is one thing Paul calls it. It's just a shell. It's not who really makes us up whenever this body gets laid down and it is dying. Aren't you thankful for that, right? That's some good hope. So we have hope. We do have sadness. I just attended a very sad funeral yesterday. Little baby. A lot of sorrow. A lot of sadness. But we know that that little one is in heaven, right? innocency of, of that child uh, who has not even not even old enough to make a choice right uh, and so he'll he'll be there in heaven when uh, hopefully that the mom and dad and others are, are able to go and, and we have the hope that we will see them again that makes it more for us to handle it better 
right? That we will see them again. Everybody in here has lost somebody pretty close to you, haven't you? A mother, a father, maybe, an uncle, an aunt, somebody close. Uh, and while you are sad, at least, if they knew the Lord, then there is some hope. Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So, the question was, what happens to those who have died in Christ? He says the example is that Jesus died and rose again. Now, he's going to bring those who we look at as asleep with him. He's bringing them back. So are they going to miss out on anything? No. Matter of fact, uh, I would say their viewpoint may be a little bit more glorious. They uh, will be coming with the Lord, right? Uh, they'll, they'll see what is taking place. Uh, they'll have an upward to downward view, right? So it, it's interesting to, to see this. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's, that's what we have to believe, right? Uh, we see this. God will bring the, with him those who uh, sleep in, in the Lord. Obviously, the word sleep is, is a illustration because they're not asleep. They're, they're dead. They no longer have breath. They no longer have a heartbeat. The brain isn't operating, uh, but this is the softer way of saying that they are dead. Uh, but the, the saints of old will have a different experience as well, right? They've gone ahead, right? What is the difference? And I asked that question. What is the difference between knowing that someone is saying, number one, we can't judge people, so we don't know for sure. But the difference between a sinner dying and a saint dying, there's a difference. There's no, there's no promise of heaven for the sinner. Everybody, contrary to some popular doctrine, everybody doesn't go to heaven. Right? Just this, the, those who have called the Lord as their Savior, those who have confessed with their mouth, believed in their heart, accepted Christ, repented of their sins, all those things, then they are going to heaven and the rest uh, not a good, they're, they're down toward the hell that was created. Has hell even created for humans? It was created for Satan and his, those who fallen angels, those uh, demons, so uh, we, we see that. Look at Psalm 4.8. Just real quick. It says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. What a view of death. The Christian does not have to be afraid of death. It doesn't mean that we want to die right this second, right? But we don't have to be afraid of it because it's actually going to take us to a place that we want to go. Let's read verse 15 and 16. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, notice he said we, 
will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So here's a full answer to the question, what happens with those who have already died? I'm going to bring them back with him. Now, he's bringing back the saints of old with him, those who have died. What's, what's happening here? We, we don't see it in this verse, but their old bodies will be resurrected and they will meet in the air and immediately have a new body. So perhaps we still have some of those characteristics or traits in our new body that will make people right. look and see. It does say we'll be known as we're known, but I'm not sure exactly what that means either. I'm hoping it's a certainly much better body than everybody saying amen, right? Something for you to think about. Now, let me, let me, let me make your mind just go like this. So when you die and you go into heaven and you haven't been joined with your body yet, at least that's what this looks like and what we believe, are you in current time or are you in eternal time? What's going on there? And so, so, so think about this. So, but we're going to be with the Lord and he doesn't exist constrained by time like we are in our physical bodies. But I'm not saying I know the answer to this. I'm saying it could be much different in heaven than what we think. And possibly because others have gone and come back and they recognize people there. Where did Paul get this information? It's actually in this scripture. It says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. In other words, the Lord told him that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So he's not going to rapture us and not do anything with those who have died. There's going to be a coming together. Who's coming together? Us who are alive and remain, those who have gone before, and the Lord. Because the Lord's coming back, right? It'll be a reunion in the heaven. So, and, and Paul says, we know this, or I know this, by the word of the Lord. We come from Jesus. I don't know when Jesus told Paul this, but it came from him. Now, notice the Lord doesn't send an angel to come get us. He comes personally, himself. Right? He comes personally himself to rapture the church. He'll descend from heaven with a shout. It's interesting. The Bible says that he'll come as a thief in the night. But yet, there's a shout. There's a voice. There's, it sounds pretty noisy to me. We won't be caught unaware. But will others know and see and hear? Shout, 
got time to get right then. There you go. There you go. Because all of this occurs, what? Not from this scripture that we're seeing this, but all of this occurs in the twinkling of an eye. I, I've, seen, I, I've tried to figure out how fast that is, and, and you know, scientists always try to quantify everything, but like one thirty-second of a second. That's not enough time, right? Yeah, it's less than a blink, right? So uh, it's it's going to happen fast, and we must be in expectation of the Lord's return. He's going to descend. He's going to come with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. Does that mean God's voice sounds like an archangel, or will this is a question, and I don't know the answer, or will an archangel actually? Speak or make a sound. We don't know, but that's that's going to happen. And the trumpet of God. What is? Why a trumpet? What's significant about an army if they blow a trumpet? I don't know if this still happens or not, but used to. They blow a trumpet. There were certain sounds that called the army together to say, "Hey, we're getting ready to go in battle." There were certain sounds that were for when you won the battle and you were victorious, right? And then there were other sounds. For instance, when Israel was uh, traveling in the wilderness and in the even in the promised land, if they sounded the trumpet, sometimes it was to call people together, together. So you see all of these things. I think, man, I'm getting excited about this because when the trumpet sounds, man, it's time to go. Sometimes to wake up, that's true. Was that reveling, right? Reveling. So the, the trumpet is important as we look at this. The Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. We'll be maybe loud enough that the dead will wake up. The rapture will not be silent or secret, at least to us. Let me give you an example of why we say this. So remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus and he hears a heavenly voice and other people hear something but they don't understand or know what it is, right? So I do believe when the Lord comes and there's the trumpet and the sound and the voice of an archangel and all that, when it happens, they'll be like, something just happened, but we're, and, and possibly the entire world will hear this heavenly sound but not know exactly instantaneously what that is. The trumpet of God. The verse we've talked about many times about being absent from this body and present with the Lord is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8. So we'll be in a spiritual state awaiting the resurrection of the body in a different state than we are now. You won't be in heaven in this physical body. Not this one. You will eventually be in heaven in a resurrected and new glorified body, right? All right, let's go to verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So the dead in Christ will rise, then we, notice Paul, like I said, Paul's in the expectation. There's a lesson here. Uh, 
I believe we need to be in expectation. If you look at where, what's going on in Israel right now, you could very well, you should very well believe that we are in end times. Now, end times are a long, it's a long span of time in the Bible, but when, when the time comes, we will know it and we'll be taken up, right? Uh, so we'll be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture from. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But it is a forceful, that word caught up, is a forceful withdrawing. So we'll be caught up. We'll, we'll, I don't know how God does it, but somehow gravity loses its effect over us. And we're caught up, right? And the Lord takes us. It's hard to teach about this and I get too excited. I said I want to preach at times, but uh, but the Lord's coming, right? Uh, <laughs> so caught up, that word caught up means to seize or to carry off by force. So the rapture will be a means of escape from the judgment and destruction that is to come. There will be an escape for his bride for the church that are truly know the Lord and are Christians, okay? And we're going to talk about what do we believe about the tribulation here in just a little bit. But what I want you to see is there is a forceful pulling and taking away, and I believe it is to prevent us from experiencing God, the fullness of God's judgment. Okay? doesn't mean that we don't have trials and tribulations here and that we don't have the world's a hard place to live in. Amen? Uh, but we'll escape the final his wrath and not man's wrath. Yes, that's a good way to put it. So I'm going to give you what we, and I'll say we as a church, our church is Pentecostal Church of God. We have the same belief as Almost every Pentecostal organization, but not every one. Some do believe a little bit differently. But we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That's the position that we hold. Uh, that we will be caught up before the final seven years of the judgment. Okay? So that's what we as a church believe that if you were to pull our doctrine from our Website, or if I was to give you a handprint, you would see that we are commonly called pre-trib. In other words, we do not believe that we'll go through any portion of the tribulation. Again, not that times won't be hard and it won't be issues and problems, and we already see that, right? Uh, but that we'll escape those final <coughs> seven years. There are some that believe mid-tribulation. That the, they take that position. They believe that the church will be caught up in, within that seven-year period. Yes, most would, who are pre-tribulation would, would say this is uh, whenever uh, the Antichrist will go into the temple and sacrifice something there that's an abomination, probably a pig. I personally fear for anyone left. That and, and I don't want my kids to be left. I don't want any of my you know people that may not know the Lord, uh, because 
I'm just going to say it this way. If you can't live for the Lord now in the dispensation of his grace and his mercy, to live for him then would be extremely difficult. I'm not saying that people can't be saved during that time frame. I'm saying it would be very difficult. And the normal things that are happening now, like the grace of God and the, the Holy Spirit drawing us to himself, isn't going to happen the same way in the tribulation. And so uh, it's going to be a difficult time, put it that way. I'm not saying no because the Bible doesn't say it does tell us that there are some people that get saved during that time. And it may only be Jews. We don't know that. Okay? But there will be some people who will be saved. And there will be tribulation saints. No, they will not be taken up at that point. Right. And then there are some who believe, now this is just a little bit different, pre-wrath, which is pretty close to mid-tribulation, but before God's wrath is fully poured out. Because there's stages of God's wrath being poured out. Then there's post-tribulation, which means that they that the believers will go all the way to the end of the tribulation period. And then will not be taken up until the Lord comes in his second coming. Do have some verses that if you want to quickly jot them down, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. So that verse talks about believers waiting for the return of Jesus. And if they believe he's coming back for them, then it's like they're hopeful. They're waiting for the return of Jesus. So if they believe they have to go through the tribulation, they wouldn't be quite so hopeful. Okay? Again, 1 Thessalonians Verse 18, I believe it is, tells us to comfort one another with these words. If you had to go through the tribulation, how much comfort would you be able to give somebody? The chapter, the chapter yeah. one. And then also in the same, in the second Thessalonians chapter one, verses three to ten, through to ten, talk about Enduring hardships because there's going to come a rest from them. So if there's going to be a rest, you certainly don't get a rest during the judgment, right? So uh, there's lots of things. There's one other one that I don't even have, have listed here, but in the book of Revelation, when it's talking about the church of Philadelphia, yes, and it says that they will will escape the. Judgment that is coming upon the whole world. Most people believe that is the Great Tribulation. Okay? So uh, that is some of the reasons. And I'm not trying to convince you one way or another. I'm just saying this is what people believe. Uh, I think there's a whole lot to support that we will go up before the rapture. I even believe before the seven years. I don't believe we're going to go halfway through or anything like that. And none of us fully know because it doesn't tell us. But there are some signs in other scriptures, and that's how you, by the way, that's how you come up with your theology and your doctrine, is you don't just take one passage, but you look at many, and you try to support it with Bible. Yes, the tribulation is God's judgment upon a sinful world, versus many Christians have gone through the judgment of man upon Christians. 
the evil of men. I mean, you look at the Holocaust, you look at yeah, what, what, what just happened. Look, look at uh, the Babylonian captivity. Look at the Assyrian captivity. All those things that happened to the Jews, they suffered some persecution, for sure. Uh, but it wasn't God's full wrath upon the whole world like is described in the book of Revelation. So, all right. Uh, and we shall always be with the Lord. That's some hope, right? That's the hope. Going to be with the Lord. Uh, a continuation. The word means continually be with the Lord. So there's hope for the dying. There's hope for those who will be caught up. We're going to be with the Lord, with him forever. Look at verse 18. Therefore, anytime you study, and there's the word therefore, what have I told you? You got to see what the therefore is there for, right? He's talking about everything that he just talked about, at least from verse 13, because that's when there's a but. There's a transition. So he's saying, concerning all these things, comfort one another with these words. How do we do that? Literally. I, 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 tell me how you can do that. With the hope. So give me Give me some words. How can I comfort my brother or sister who just had a tragic event happen in their life? I know, I know you know how. I'm just saying how. Give me the words. You're going to be with them someday. Jesus is coming back soon. Just hold on, right? What else? Right there with the scripture. And there's some other comforting things here at the beginning. The very first verse of what we just read is that we don't mourn as those who have no hope. Right? So he's saying, Paul is saying, from in light of these scriptures and what's to come, and the excitement about the Lord coming and the dead in Christ will rise, we'll be caught up to meet him, meet them in the air, them, uh, and then we'll be with the Lord forever. Have you ever told somebody just to hold on a little longer? Just hold on a little longer, because you know the Lord has a way of making things right that aren't right here. Even if it isn't made right here, God will take care of it there, right? So here he's saying, comfort one another. Notice that he didn't say pastors and preachers and ministers and Sunday school teachers comfort everybody else. Who's supposed to be doing the comforting? All of us, right? So it's important. If you've never read the scripture, studied the scripture, put the scripture into your heart and your mind, then you have nothing to comfort somebody with from this scripture. Now, there are other scriptures that will comfort you too, right? But it's that, that's why we study. That's why... I ask you questions and say, ask me questions because I want to learn, right? Uh, it's, it's important. So comfort one another with these words. Now, it isn't just the, you see, the, the comfort isn't, the comfort isn't for the sinner to know this. Does this tell them that there's going to be a, 
a coming tribulation. You know what I'm saying? The comfort is to the Christian. Now, you can still share this with a sinner with the hopes that they will make things right with God, right? And that they, too, will have some comfort. And the Holy Spirit will help you do that. The Holy Spirit will, will bring things to your remembrance that you didn't even, you read, but you didn't even realize you had it there to pull it from. But the Holy Spirit will do it. He really will. Uh, I, how many have ever experienced that before? So it's not just me saying, right? You, you go and talk to somebody and you'll say, you might not even know the full verse and, and scripture. Like you might not know it's Ephesians chapter 4 verse uh, 20. You might not know that. But you are astute enough to say, well, I know in the Bible that it says this. And you hadn't even read that for a long time. But the Holy Spirit pulled it up into your remembrance for such a time as that, right? So comfort one another with these words. The truth of his return, uh, that there's going to be an eternal reunion with Jesus, with all of his people. It's important for us to know these things. Let's go through the questions real fast. What did Paul not want the Thessalonians to be ignorant of? That those who have about, he don't want to be ignorant about those who have what? Gone off, who died, who, who are, when he puts it, asleep. Don't be ignorant about it because they were concerned. Maybe there was something wrong with them and they died before the Lord came back. Right? Maybe they didn't really have a right relationship with God. That's why they died before the Lord came back. There was concerns. I don't know exactly what all those were, but there were concerns. According to verse 13, how is the Christian sorrow different? We have hope they do not. That is correct. Verse 14. What will God do with those Christians who have died? According to verse 14. Bring them back with him. That's correct. According to verse 16, when Jesus returns, who will go up first? Then Christ. Now, all of this is going to happen very quickly. Right? The way the Bible describes it. It's going to happen very quickly. So, I don't know that we'll even see the graves open up, bodies be caught up. I don't know what we'll see, but we're going to quickly join them, right? In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. According to verse 17, what will happen to those Christians who are alive when the Lord comes back? Yeah, we'll, we'll be caught up to meet the dead in Christ and the Lord in the air. Quickly mentioned this, so maybe you wrote it down, maybe you didn't. What does the word caught up mean? To forcibly withdraw, to seize, to carry off. What position does Pentecostal Church of God hold concerning the rapture? Pre tribulation. Which means that what? Believers don't go through the seven years of tribulation, right? What other positions are there concerning the rapture? 
Verse 18. What are we to do with this information? Comfort one another with these words. 